Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. It's, a, it's interesting in Genesis that when God makes Adam, he sets him in the garden. Uh, and, uh, and before the fall, before Adam and Eve eat of the tree, God sets him in the garden to work the garden and to care for the garden. So, so work, purpose, vision is not a part of the fall. It's a part of who God's made us to be before that. We are we're created to have a purpose, to, to work, to give our lives to something, to, to do something wonderful and meaningful and life-giving and life-changing with, with, with the gift of life that God has given to each and every one of us. And, uh, you know, that's true uh, whether you're in Christ or not. That's why, that's why you see everyone trying to do something because they think in doing something they'll find some, uh, some meaning and, and, and fulfillment. You know, we, are, we are to be uh, people of uh, vision. And, uh, and, and, and for the people of God, uh, it's, it's really so much more than just uh, vision, really so much more than just purpose, so much more uh, than, than work. Uh, for the people of God, uh, we are to be people of, I, I kind of want to say it this way, um, or maybe I'll just say it two ways. We're, we're to be people of eternal vision, or forever uh, vision. Uh, people that people that are, are doing what God has called them to do, uh, who are who are working the purposes of God that have an eternal impact, that have a forever impact. People of of eternal uh, vision, and, and this is so important uh, for us and and how we are wired and how we're created and how we are and how we are made. Uh, and, and, and when we when we give our lives to something that is eternal, it really does bring fulfillment and meaning to our lives that uh, that is not found outside of Christ. Um, you, know, you, you hear people uh, mention uh, Proverbs 29, 18, and, and it really is a powerful verse and, and a powerful uh, declaration that we need to be reminded of. Uh, I'll give you, you know, the King James and the NIV uh, of it. That without a vision, the people perish. Uh, the NIV says that that without revelation, we cast off restraint. They're both good uh, translations, um, and I, and I like when you kind of bring them together because it adds real meaning. Because because we don't just need vision. And it's not just having vision that leads to not perishing. It's not just having a vision like to win the Super Bowl or to be the greatest singer or to earn a million dollars. All those are visions, but they're not necessarily visions that, that save us from perishing. Like some visions can lead us in the wrong direction, right? But when you add that revelation in there to it and you have vision that flows out of revelation, because revelation comes from God, vision that flows out of revelation, then, it's, then that's the kind of vision that the people of God are called to, it's that eternal vision that God has for us that comes from, that comes from him because it comes from the revelation, that when we have that, that leads to, to not perishing, and that leads to us not casting off uh, restraint. Um, you know, kind of a like verse to that. Uh, it's found in 1 Samuel 
uh, 3, if, if, you, uh, if you go and look into 1 Samuel, then you find that it's really kind of a dark and, and difficult time. Uh, people are perishing. People are casting off uh, restraint. Uh, even the leadership uh, of, of that day is, uh, is, uh, is wicked and, and, and off track. Uh, they have a, they have what a, what First Timothy talks about, an appearance of good, an appearance of godliness, but that's all uh, that it is. Uh, it really is like First Samuel. If you look at it, you really do see uh, a, a, a pretty accurate picture of what Paul says to Timothy in Second Timothy three would be marks and signs of the end times. You, you know, not only. The, uh, the only signs of the end times are not like events and stuff like that, but maybe one of the more powerful signs of the end times is the, is the departing from doctrine, from sound doctrine, right? And, 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 and embracing or looking for teachers who will just tell your itching ears what they want to hear. And, and, and another powerful sign uh, is the condition of the culture and of the heart. Um, and that's what, that's what Paul speaks to in 2 Timothy 3, I'm going to read this out of my Bible. I'll read other scriptures off the screen uh, there. You know, I just like to keep you guessing. Um, 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse, verse 1, this really kind of gives us a great picture of, we see this in our culture, but this is how it was in 1 Timothy 3 as well. Uh, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And then it goes on to describe not necessarily what things will take place, but, but what the people will look like. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Uh, you know, one of the one of the uh, um, you know, I just like to meddle in stuff. I don't know. Seems just like the Holy Spirit just leads me into that. You know, one of the enemies of of church attendance is pleasure. That people love. Pleasure. They're they're running everywhere to find pleasure. I, I think there's this deception that that uh, that pleasure brings joy and fulfillment, and it does not. Seems like everybody's you know living for the weekend, running to the next vacation, looking for the next thing that's gonna that's gonna bring pleasure to their lives. There's this this lover of of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You find lovers of God in the house of God doing the things of God. Um, praise the Lord. But man, I'm glad we came to church this morning. I hope you got shoes on. Steel-toed boots. Having a form of godliness but denying its power uh, have nothing to do with them. It's kind of an interesting statement, isn't it? So, so we get this, this picture of the condition of, of the people in the last times, and we see this very similar to the, to the condition of the people uh, in, in 1 Samuel. So in 1 Samuel, there's this, this telling verse, it's 1 Samuel 3.1, it says this, that in those days the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions, or there were not many revelations. There weren't many people who had vision that came from a revelation. There, there weren't too many people full of the word of God and full of the plans and purposes of God. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many revelations, not many visions. And, and so we see from that, that that if you look, people were lovers of themselves. They were lovers of pleasure. They have an appearance. They have an appearance of of godliness and goodness, but they denied his power. There was no honor for the Lord there. And, 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 and because that was the condition, or, or the reason that was the condition is because the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And isn't that the way it is 
Uh, today, I, I mean, could we say of our culture, of our time, of our America, that the word of the Lord is abundant? No, it is not. It, it's been kicked out of our schools. It's kicked out of our churches. Is it in our hearts? The word of the Lord is, is rare. Not many visions. So, so what does God do in this time? God, God raises up a young man named Samuel. And this young man named Samuel, interestingly, come on parents, I hope some parents watching online too. This young man named Samuel, who, who arises to become an anointed prophet of the Lord, full of God's word, and full of revelation and vision, where is he raised up? He's raised up in church. He's raised up in the temple. He's raised up in the house of the Lord. We, we got to raise up our children in God's house. Interesting, when God is about to do something, when, and, and God's doing more in 1 Samuel than just shifting and changing the culture, right? He's preparing the way to set a king on the throne, who from that king will come the king of kings and lord of lords, who will forever reign on the throne. And to prepare that way, he raises up a young man in the house of the Lord, full of the word of God, full of vision. And revelation, strength, and courage. We need some young people to rise up, and God's raising them up right now. And because we live in the in the time of the new covenant and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's not just our young men, and it's our young women as well. And God will pour out His Spirit on on the men and the women, and they will prophesy and preach and dream dreams and proclaim the word of the Lord. Raise them up, Lord Jesus. But I, but, you know, I don't know what I am anymore. I don't know if I'm a young man or I guess I'm middle aged. But I don't want to get missed. I don't want to miss out on it. I want to. I want to get in on it too. I want to be a part of of preparing the way. For the king to return, to call home his church, to establish his throne, to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever, to rule and reign at his side. And so we need the, the word of the Lord to be abundant in our lives. And we need to be people of, of, of revelation vision, of vision that flows out of, out of God's word speaking to us and and, and stirring, and stirring uh, our hearts. We need to be. Uh, we need to be. Uh, we need to be a, a people, not just a vision. As the people of God, we need to be people with eternal vision. So, so let me uh, remind you of of Luke chapter two. You know, as you, as you come out of the uh, Christmas story, there's this, there's this powerful thing said about, uh, this powerful thing that Jesus says in, in the story, you remember it, at the end there of Luke chapter 2, where Jesus is now 12 years old, uh, and he goes with Mary and Joseph to Jerusalem to, uh, to, uh, to celebrate the feast, the Passover feast, and, and, and when they're done, they leave, and they think that Jesus is with them, but he's not. Jesus is, Jesus is, uh, is, uh, is, has remained in Jerusalem, and they are journeying home for a whole day, and, and they think that Jesus is there because they think he's just hanging out with friends, playing in the, in the crowd, uh, you know, and, and, and when they go looking for him, they don't find him, and they realize that he's not there, and so back to Jerusalem they go, and so, that, so there's a day where they're journeying and they don't find him, and then back in Jerusalem, there's... There's two more days of searching for Jesus and not finding him. Which kind of makes you want to question Mary and Joseph. You know, it's always the last place you look, though, right? Isn't it? So when they find Jesus, where do they find him? In the temple. You see, again here... 
You know, Samuel is in the temple. And Jesus is in the temple. Oh. We need our children in the temple. And, and he's there and he's, and he's listening to the teachings and he's asking the questions and the people are amazed at, at his answers and, and his wisdom. Uh, and so uh, um, Luke 2.49 uh, says this, but his parents, you know, because they're a little upset, it's been three days, but they're like, man, where have you been? What are you doing? What in the world's going on? Why are you here? You know, weren't you worried about us? Like, we were worried about you? Like, shouldn't you have been concerned? Hey, maybe mom and dad don't know where I am, you know, and, you know, and Jesus is only 12 at this time, so let's cut some stuff, even though he is the son of God. And he says this to him, uh, in, in response, he says, well, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? So didn't you know, didn't you know that this is where I would be? Why are you searching for me? It, it, it seems like you should have come right back to Jerusalem. You should have come right back to this place. Didn't you know that this is where I had to be? In my father's house? Now this is kind of a, an interesting uh, verse here because, again, we find... Um, the NIV and some other translations are to say that he says, my father's house. But like the King James and some other translations would say it like this. Didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? So there is this, there is a Jesus declaring that I've got to be about my father's business or that I've got to be in my father's house. Now, if you study this out, you'll see that that really works again both ways. That, that. That he could say here, my father's house, or my father's business, and that both of those work. That, that being in his father's house is being about his father's business. And that people that are stirred and passionate about the father's business also have a stirring and a passion for the father's house. So then, I've been thinking about verse 50 because it says... But they did not understand what he was saying to them. For some reason, they missed this. For some reason, they don't, they don't connect with what Jesus is saying, that, that he has got to be about what God has called him to do. That there's a purpose stirring within him, even at 12 years of age, and that's what he has to do. That he's got to be about the father's business and they don't understand this and it seems like there are many Christians not in this condition of, of being about my father's business but many Christians that are in this condition in our culture of not understanding that they're called to an eternal purpose that they're called to be people of eternal vision that we're, that we're called to to, to be about God's purpose, to be about his business, to be about the building of his house. They didn't understand this, but Jesus certainly understood it. And then it goes on here in verse 51 to say this a wonderful thing about Jesus. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things uh, in her heart. And so Jesus submitted to them. He was obedient to them. Uh, he, he, uh, I, I, you know, anyway, I can talk. I, I wonder how all those conversations went as they, as they went down the road, uh, working through all this. Have you ever lost a kid and you're like just furious and mad? And then, like, especially if you find them hiding behind a curtain. Like eating a bag of chips, you know, you've been looking for them forever and ever and ever. And you're like so happy that you found them, but you, but you also want to like wring their neck at the same time. Verse 52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. A, a growing a wisdom, a growing stature, a growing favor with God and with men. We are to... As Jesus, we are to be people of, of eternal vision. We are to be people of purpose. We are to be about the Father's business. And uh, so, so now, now that we've got that established, um, 
Did you like how quickly I did that? Now I, now I just want to, I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to read through this because 1 Peter 1 um, shows us what this looks like, shows us what this is, and also speaks to us at the same time. That, you know, maybe you're wondering, what does that look like? What does, what does eternal vision look like? What does an eternal purpose look like? And, and how do I become a part of that? I want to be about, I don't want to just be about business. And I certainly just don't want to be about my house. And I want to be about my father's house. And I want to be about his business. Because his house and his business is eternal business. It's eternal vision. It's eternal purpose. We need this to stir in our hearts. We need this to stir in the church. You know, I could roll over to Haggai and, 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 and read the rebuke of the Lord to the people of God where he says to them, you're, you're busy, 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 but you're busy building your house and not building my house. You're busy, busy people, hardworking people, but you're working for yourself and not working for me. We need a stirring within the people of God. I'm not trying to get on to you. I'm trying to stir you. I'm trying to give you a hard time. You know, unless giving you a hard time stirs you to God's purpose. We live in, in dark days. The word of the Lord is rare. We need to be about the Father's business. First Peter 1, Peter talks to us about, he, he shows us what this looks like. And he tells us some things that we need as well. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, right off the bat, we see Jesus. We see Jesus, really, that's what we need to do. When there's revelation of Christ and you see Christ, and you'll see that, when you see Jesus and there's revelation of who he is, then like he was found in the Father's house about the Father's business, then we also are found in the Father's house about the Father's business. If there's not a passion for the Word of God and for the house of God, is there a passion for the Son of God who is the body of Christ, the church, the Word of God? To God's elect... To the saints, what an honor to be in that group! I want to be numbered among that number. Exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. I love when the word abundant or abundance shows up. Now here, for the people of God, the elect, we are, we are chosen. Uh, we've been sanctified by the Spirit. It means that we've been set apart as holy vessels and set apart holy things are set apart and holy as vessels for God's purpose. The, the, the vessels and, and furniture and things within the temple were sanctified and holy because they were they were set apart from everything else as, as vessels to bring God glory and honor and to serve his purpose. The sanctifying work of the spirit that has set us apart for what God has planned for us. And to bring him glory and honor and to, and to do his work. To be obedient to Jesus. i got to hurry. I'll never get through this. To be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. So, so so before you even start to back up from the call of God on your life and the vision that he has called you to, which, by the way, is more than you are. It is more than you can handle. God has recently reminded me of that. I, I know there's this, there's this thing that people say, it's not biblical. That God won't lay on you more than you can bear. 
He absolutely does. He absolutely lays on us more than we can bear and calls us to more than we can handle, to more than we can do. Now, 1 Corinthians 10 does say that he'll not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. And, and when we're tempted, that he'll give us a way of escape. But that's not talking about the call of God on our lives, the vision that he's called us to. God always calls us to more than we can handle, but it's not more than he can handle. And his grace is abundant. His grace is sufficient. His grace is enough. I'm not. He is. It's more than I can hold, but it's not more than he can hold. And his grace is sufficient, so the vision that stirs within us, the things that God has called us to, we don't back up from them. We say yes to them. We cross the Jordan and enter into the promised land to face the walled cities and the giants and the chariots and the weapons and the enemies that are certainly more than we are. That on our own we cannot handle, but they are not more than him. And his grace and his peace are ours in abundance. This is why he spoke to Paul in Paul's time of need and said, my grace is sufficient. I know you're not. My grace is. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I look myself in the mirror all the time and remind myself that I have preached Philippians 4.13 and I will practice what I preach. I will believe it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His grace is sufficient. His grace and peace be yours. Yeah, just a little bit. Abundance. Abundance and abundance and abundance. We should probably stop right there and pray. But I like to preach and Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and his great mercy. <laughs> Help me, kids, whatever you're doing. It's not just mercy, it's great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We, we are born again people. There's a new birth that has taken place in Sabbath. This is so important. This is so important. The old has passed away. The new has come. Behold, all things have been made new. We are born again of the Spirit. I know maybe the old you couldn't do it. The old you wasn't worthy of it. But you're not the old you in Jesus. You're the new you. My baptism is so important. Gives us an event, a moment, a place where we where we remember it and we declare it that we have died and risen again in Christ, that we have entered into a new birth. Okay, verse four. And into this is important though, because we're seeing what eternal vision looks like, what eternal purpose looks like. Listen to this. We, we've been we've got a new birth into a living hope. It's not a dying one. There's, there's death all around us, right? And even though this body is wasting away inwardly, we are being renewed day after day. This is why we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this surpassing power is not from us, but from God. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not destroyed. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We have entered into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. You see forever here? You see eternity here? You see, you see an eternal vision, an eternal purpose that in Christ Jesus there's a living hope. And an inheritance found in him that never perishes, spoils, or fade, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. In Jesus, 
In Jesus, there's not death. There's life, abundant and eternal and forever. So we see what eternal vision looks like, eternal purpose looks like, and we see who it's got to be about. It's got to be about Jesus. Is there living hope anywhere else? Is there an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade anywhere else? It's only found in Christ and in Christ alone. Verse 5. Who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is, all, that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And for a little while, we may have to suffer and the work's going to be difficult and hard. But we're talking about, you know, anything worth doing is going to be hard, right? And we're talking about eternal vision, eternal purpose. Verse 7. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and honor. Then Jesus Christ, and praise and glory and honor, Jesus Christ is revealed. So here we get here, here is perishing. Our, our faith is of greater worth than gold, because gold perishes. So so many purpose, so many people's purpose is tied up in, in gold. But why? Because that's not forever. That's not eternal. Gold perishes. If I possess all the riches of this world, what is the saying? How's it go? I may get it wrong. You never see a hearse with a U-Haul behind it? Something like that? You can't take any of it with us. It, so it's not gold, because that perishes. That's not eternal. So it's got to be something else. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls, even though, even though you haven't seen him. You love him, even though, even though you don't see him now, and you believe in him. And, and because you love him and believe in him, you are filled uh, with, with much of what you need uh, to, to persevere and do the things that God has called you to do, that eternal vision and purpose that is not easy, that is more than you can bear, that's going to require some hardship and suffering, that's going to be very, very difficult. You can do it because you see Jesus and you love Jesus and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Or, the King James, joy unspeakable and full of glory. That makes me want to shout. I've got joy unspeakable, joy that's full of glory. And because there's a joy within me that's inexpressible and glorious, unspeakable and full of glory, I have the strength that I need to accomplish the vision that God has called me to accomplish. What, is, what does Nehemiah 8.10 say? The joy of the Lord is our what? Our strength. Nehemiah uh, captured with an eternal vision. I know he went to rebuild a wall, and you think that that's perishing and temporary, but it wasn't about a wall, it was about a people. Just let it out. I just slipped. I messed up. Eternal vision's got to have something to do with people, doesn't it? And in speaking to the people, he said, he said, there's got to be joy. Because if you're going to fulfill the vision, there's got to be strength. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And here when we keep our eyes on Jesus, it's got going up these verses. When we, when we have our eyes on Christ and he is our love and our passion and our belief and our desire, then there will be joy. If there's not joy, do you see Jesus? Have your eyes wandered from him? Has your purpose drifted off of him? 
Has your faith and trust kind of shifted from him? If your eyes are on him and your faith is in him and your love for is him is in him, then there will be joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. I'm having trouble not singing it right now. Sing it. I think I get a good clap to Is that wrong? I can't get it. Anyway, you shouldn't have encouraged me. Okay, back to first Peter. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing uh, when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. Here again, we get like this glimpse of eternal purpose. It's, it's not a loving of yourself. It's not a serving of yourself. It's not a lover of a lovering of money or a loving of pleasure. It's something entirely different than that. They weren't serving themselves, they were serving you. And this is so interesting because. He speaks of prophets that have long been gone, who have lived in such a way as to serve us in our day thousands of years later. Such is the bigness of the eternal purpose that God has for each and every one of our lives. You can live now in such a way as to serve generations not yet born. When they spoke of these things that have been told, that had been told, they spoke of these things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, connected to all of that, full of, of joy unspeakable and full of glory, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, or, or therefore prepare your minds for action. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. It's not any earthly hope. We're setting our hope somewhere else. We're, we're fixing our eyes on what is unseen. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. See, remember, we new birth, transformation. Yes, there were desires in our lives outside of Christ, but those are not who we are. And those desires, now that we have come to Christ, we don't conform to them anymore. We crucify them as often as needed. Because we don't live in ignorance. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. So we're getting, you know, we're, we're getting a glimpse of our, of what eternal purpose looks like. And we're also getting help here. We've got to have prepared minds. We've got to crucify the sinful nature. We've got to live holy as he has lived holy. For it is written... Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on the Father who judges each for each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. So don't worry about what everybody else is doing because God's going to judge your work. Not depending on what everybody else did, but on what you did. And, and live as foreigners, right? We're not... We're not of this world, we're of God, in reverent fear. Just getting some help here on how to live out our eternal purpose. For, for you know that it was not with perishable things, right? There are perishable things, such as silver or gold, 
that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. We've been redeemed from empty living. He's called us to full, meaningful, rich living. That, that empty life that was handed down from our ancestors is not the empty life that we find in Christ. We're, we're, we're redeemed from that. We don't go back to it. From our ancestors, 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, our focus back on Jesus and his blood his blood that redeems us from what is what is perishable because perishable things couldn't redeem us from it. He was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Thank you. My sake. I just did like the eyes closed head shake. I got this. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now, that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Just help love one another deeply from for you have been born again. Remember, new birth. Here he clearly says, born again. I don't know where he got that from. Like he was hanging out with Jesus or something. For you have been born again. Like I kind of want to slow on that because I want you to see the next and not miss it. The first time you were born, after that, everything begins to perish. But now you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Hallelujah. So the first time it was perishable seed. And we understand that because we're all experiencing a little bit of that. And the older we give, the more and more we experience it. I was complaining about my back hurting, sitting next to Pastor Al the other day. I said, I don't know what's going on. He said, man, you just got the old, the, uh, not that, how does it go? OLD disease. You know, just aging a little bit. But thanks be to God, in Christ Jesus, we have been born again. And this is not of something perishable, but of, but not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the, through the living and enduring word of God. And, and I like enduring. It's, it's right. I like a little better eternal. Because it says, it's just a little more powerful to me. The old NIV says, eternal through the living and eternal word of God. If there's going to be eternal purpose, it's got to somehow be connected and tied to the imperishable seed that we are born again of through the living and eternal, enduring, everlasting, forever word of God. Verse 20. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. The word of the Lord endures forever. The word of the Lord does not perish. The word of the Lord will not be stolen. It will not be devoured. It will not rot. It will not be destroyed. It will not perish. It is eternal. It endures. It is forever. 
And that word is the word that was preached to you. And when that word was preached to you and you heard that word and you believed in that word and put your faith and trust in the word, who is the word? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the living word, it entered in to you and you were born again because of the imperishable seed of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that word preached to you and you now are also forever, eternal, not perishing, everlasting. There's the eternal word of God and there are the eternal souls of men and women and if we're going to do something that's eternal, if we're going to have eternal vision, eternal purpose, then it's got to be tied and connected to the preaching of the eternal word of God, to the eternal souls of mankind. We've got to be about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus' name. We've got to have stir within us this eternal vision, this eternal purpose. We, as the people of God, are not just people of purpose. We're people of eternal purpose. The proclaiming of the eternal, forever enduring word of the Lord. That people who are lost and perishing would be born again and enter into the glorious freedom, the abundant life that comes to the people of God, to the children of God. This is purpose worth giving our lives for. This is the purpose and vision that should consume us. This is the purpose and vision that each and every one of us who are in Christ Jesus are called to and should be passionate about. Filled with the word of the Lord. Full of vision. Full of an eternal vision. We're not just people of purpose. We're not just people of vision. We're people of an eternal vision. With an eternal purpose. And we are, and we are to be passionate, filled with joy, and giving everything we have to it. Now it looks different for each and every one of us. But for each and every one of us, it also is the same. It has to do with the word of the Lord. And the, and, the, and the souls of mankind. And for each and every one of us, we should be about the Father's business in the Father's house. This is where we should be found. Found in the Father's house. About the Father's business. And then, the vision and purpose that we have will have a forever eternal impact. Change and transform the lives, uh, not just in our time and in our generation, but for generations to come. I don't know. I know we're in the last days. I know we're in the last times. I know we are looking and we see the return of our Lord coming. But I don't know when it will be. But when he does return, he comes looking for me. I want to be found in my father's house about my father's business. Doing something to affect eternity. Proclaiming the eternal forever word of the Lord. That's where you want to be found. Father's house. In Father's business. Let's pray Lord, this is this is stuff we know, but every now and then we just need to be reminded and refreshed of all that you've done and of who we are and of what we are called to. We thank you that you have chosen us, that we are your saints, that we are the elect. Lord, I pray that we would not take this light, but it would stir us and challenge us and 
that it would move us and motivate us. Lord, that we'd be people. People who are in love with you, who believe in you, who are filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. People who are found in your house about your business, filled with eternal vision, with eternal purpose, striving, Lord Jesus, to change lives forever and ever and ever. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd stir this within us, that you'd stir this within your church all over Alabama, all over America, all around the world. Stir your people, Lord. Bring to us fresh and new eternal vision, eternal purpose. Give us, give us a, a passion to be in the Father's house and about the Father's business. Lord, remove from us any area of not seeing the importance of this or not understanding this. As was the case when Jesus spoke that he was in the Father's house and he had to be about the Father's business. They didn't understand what he was saying. Lord, remove that from us and help us to see the connection between your business and your purpose and your house. And the importance of, of being about your business and about your purpose and, and being in your house. Help us to see the call of God on our lives to not just do and be busy, but to be busy doing eternal things. We pray this in Jesus' name. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that empowers us. We thank you that your grace is sufficient as you are us. We bless you and praise you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. So I ask you this morning, if this is what you desire, you just you want to be found in God's house. You want to be found about his business. You just raise your hand. Lord, our hands are raised, declaring we want, as your people, to be found in your house about your business. We raise our hands in declaration of this. Lord, we pray that you'd always help us to do it. It can be so easy to get distracted, to wander off into other things, help our eyes be fixed on of our lives to be about your glory and honor, proclaiming the eternal word of the Lord to the eternal souls of the Lord, is to be in your house about your business, full of eternal vision. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great, great week. And, uh, enjoy the beautiful day. Rest and refresh. Watch online, please. God bless you.